0: Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You're now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host,
1: Gypsy, and today we have Emily tarot Thread. She is the author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, a Comprehensive Guide to Reclaiming and Cultivating Joy and Carrying On in the Face of Loss. Welcome to the
2: podcast, Emily. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me here today.
0: It's a pleasure having you. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you are now?
2: (laughs) Well, I was born and raised in California, but I came here to Maui about six and a half years ago. My husband had lived here many years before I met him. And when he knew his time was drawing near, he said he really wanted to be back in Maui. So we just sold everything and came over here. And it's home for me now.
0: Okay, yeah, we're in um, downtown LA for our listeners. Um, So we're here in California. Which part of California are you um, from?
2: Oh, I was born and raised in Central Valley uh, in a little town called Porterville. And I still own a company there, actually. And I taught at the university in Bakersfield for many years, I retired from there. I still teach online, I teach writing there. And I moved here from Ventura. That was the last place I lived in California. Okay. okay.
0: We've been here for about four years. We love California. We definitely won't be um, moving anytime soon unless it's out of the country. But tell us a little bit about where you are right now. We've never, I've never been to Hawaii. Uh,
2: I am in Maui and Maui is uh Maui's a county, actually, and it is comprised of three islands. So you can imagine how small the islands are to be able to make up a a county with three of them. And I live on the side of a volcano volcano that hopefully won't erupt again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I live right in the center of the island, so I can actually see both sides of the island from from where I live because the island's that small. Wow. Wow.
1: So what inspired you to write the book?
2: Well, I have had two husbands die. And I I mentioned that I'm, I'm a writer, but I not only wrote the book, but I've taught writing at the university level for many years. And after Ron, the second husband to die, left, I started writing to help myself. With dealing with the situation, just exploring things, and I found that it helped me a lot. So I wanted to teach other people who were dealing with grief and loss how to use writing to help them. And since I hadn't been here on the island that long, and since I didn't, I I had met a lot of wonderful people, but none of them were dealing with grief or loss right then. So I went to Meetup and put it on Meetup and said, "If." If you would like to try writing to help you deal with grief and loss, come on over to my house. And they did. (laughs) We had a very nice group that that went on for a couple of years until the pandemic started. And um, they really liked getting together to write in person and didn't translate well to online. So I just started another group online where we did it. And in the meantime, uh, not long after my husband died, a very good friend of his on the mainland died. And he was much younger than my husband. We were family friends, and he always called my husband dad, so there was that big of an age difference. And he just suddenly died, wasn't sick, didn't have any warning. And I was very concerned about his wife because I knew that she wouldn't have been expecting this and wouldn't really know what she needed to do or not do or what to think about at a point like this. So I I sat down and wrote her a letter saying, these are the things you need to think about right now now that are important to deal with. And these are the things that you don't need to deal with at all right now. And I got it to her actually within hours after he died. And she let me know later how helpful that was to her because she said, nobody talks about this stuff. Mm. So I thought, well, I can do more than that. So I thought I would send her a card in the mail every week for a year after her husband died. And before I started that, I thought, you know what, I better see if I can figure out 52 things I'm going to be able to say so they're different every time. So I made a list. And sure enough, I, I was able to come up with 52 different things that were happened throughout the year that, that could help her deal with what was going on. And after I did that, made that list, I thought, you know what, this is a um, an outline for a book. And I've been reading a lot of books that had to deal with grief, and most of them are memoirs that just tell the story of what happened to an individual, and I thought, I want my book to be different than that. I want it to be something that will help people, so at the each chapter's on a different subject, like the cards are on different subjects, and at the end of each chapter, there's something that the person who's reading it can actively do that will help them deal with their grief, and it's it's been very successful. I think people were were looking for for help more than just uh, other people's memories. Not that those books are bad; they helped me a lot. But this is something that uh, was different for them.
1: And I like that you focus on staying positive through grief, which, for many, I'm sure, is really the hardest time to stay positive. So, like, how do you do that? Like, what are some things that help you? Um, stay
2: positive. Yeah, I, I know people go grief and happiness. <laughs> you know, That doesn't work together, but it, it does and it needs to. Yeah. And what what I do is the, the first thing I do and the first thing I suggest other people do when they are suddenly in a position of grief is to do really good self-care, to take care of yourself, pay attention to what you're doing, um, how, how you're living, how you're eating, how you're sleeping, how, whatever it is that you're doing so that you can be sure that you're taking good care of yourself. And then after that, uh, not really after, because you should do that always. But in addition to that, I focus on the positive in anything that I can do that I can, um, I make happy or be happy. And I also focus on everything with love. Because a lot of philosophers say that there are only two real emotions in life, love and fear, and they don't uh, dwell well together. So you can focus on love or you can focus on fear. And I didn't want to live a life of fear, so I don't. And I deal with everything from love. Anything that I do comes from my heart when I talk to people or when I help people or when I do my podcast, when I write a blog, uh, when I write my book, anything that I do, I focus on the positive. And when you're, you always focus on the positive and you're doing that with love, you can't help, but be happy.
0: I've, um, I've came across, I don't, I can't remember even who said it or where I said it, but I remember it did change something in my life when dealing with someone that is, um, had a, a loss. And I know that they say, I've, well, I was taught to say um, condolences, I, you know, either send your condolences to your family or something like that. And there's other thing where people say, sorry for your loss. What is the proper thing to tell someone?
2: Um, I... I had a real problem with, I'm sorry for your loss, and I got to the point where I realized that people were doing the best that they could. They, you know, they, they thought that they needed to acknowledge your loss, and that's what everybody says, and so they say that. But to me, it seemed kind of superficial. Mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry, didn't oh. really uh, address the situation personally at that time. So what I suggest doing is saying something positive and if you know the person who died you can say something like i I know after my my parents died i had friends of theirs would tell me you know my parents were married for 53 years and they'd say you know you could tell that they loved each other always whenever i saw them walking together they were holding hands and they'd smile at each other and that was so sweet (coughs) sorry
0: i I know the aspect that made me change um my perspective on it was that the guy was being told i'm sorry for your loss and he was saying it's not your fault you don't have to be sorry was telling the person you know in that way to you know it's not their fault so yeah say more you know i'm sending my condolences or condolences to your family type Mm -hmm. of thing versus saying i'm sorry and that was one of the the ways that was one of the things that helped change you know how i what i would say when i'm
2: started hearing about someone um experiencing yeah that's that's really good that's really good to say something like that and i'll also say something like you know i'm always here for you and then i follow up on that Mm -hmm. because uh one of the things that i recommend people not to say is um just let me know when you need anything because you're not going to <laughs> right. just, it's, it's not going to happen. And if you do, I had one situation with uh, Jacques, my other husband died, that he had been sick for a very long time. And at the beginning, when people get sick, initially, people show up with flowers, they come to a the hospital, they come to visit you when you're home, you've people around you all the time. But the longer someone's sick, the further they distance themselves. And part of it, I think, is they say, well, I've already visited that person. <laughs> or uh, they just can't deal with watching a person decline because it's it's hard to do. Yeah. And so I got to a point where I couldn't leave him by himself. It was the two of us home alone together. And I couldn't go grocery shopping because I I just – and it was – it's relatively recently that you can order groceries and have them delivered to your home and, right. and have food delivered to your home. And it wasn't that way where I lived at that time. You you couldn't call somebody and have them deliver things. So I started calling these people that said, just let me know if I can do anything. And they either didn't answer the phone or I went and they never called me back. Uh-huh. It was it was really hard, so uh, that that made me very aware of saying just let me know if I can do anything. And when when I would say that in the past, I was very sincere. I would be happy to help somebody out, but not not everybody did that. They said that because that was something they thought they were supposed to say. Uh-huh. But then when it came right down to it, it was it was really difficult for them to deal with, so they chose not to.
1: Does it get like I know you've you've lost um several people and it's like, does it get easier? I know that's weird to say, but um to
0: Or do you get stronger?
2: Yeah,
1: do you, to get over
0: Is it a- I,
2: I yeah, I think stronger is a better way to put it. Um mm-hmm. uh, the more you deal with something, the more you're used to it you can become. But I've, and, and I've had lots of people that I've, I've lost, lots of friends, uh, lots of family. I'm like, there's only uh, two people left in my age group in my family. Everybody else has already died, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a sad place to be in a way. So it's I've had lots of practice, I could say. Still, yeah,
0: there's a lot of gratitude in it as well. To, Absolutely, to live that long.
2: <laughs> it's a yeah. <laughs> I I have uh, no problem with with my age or living as long as I have because I'm really still living in the moment and, and really enjoying what's happening right now. That that with each person that dies is a totally different experience. Every one of them. You'd think well you had two parents die. Wasn't that similar? You had two husbands die. Wasn't that similar? Well, there were some. Similarities, but the experience was still different. Mm -hmm. I was, even though I knew it was coming with both of my husbands, I still was, can't even say it, (laughs) Uh, devastated when they actually died. Because it's so hard to think of, well, they're here right now. How could they possibly not be here tomorrow? And, of course, I, I kind of believe they're always still here that I'm, I'm not getting to enjoy their physical presence like I did before.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that, well, recently, um, I'm not sure if it was something that she had on, plan on um, a TikTok video or something, but it was speaking on, you know, our loved ones are here, you know, in this realm, but even when, you know, they cross over, it it's still having, you know, guarding angels in your life, on the other side as well. You know, so it's not always like a a loss, as they say, you're still you know, if you're connected spiritually, you still understand that you have, you know, added you have guardian angels that have been added on to, you know, watch over you.
2: Yes, that that provides a lot of comfort, actually, when the the more um, the more you are grounded in whatever it is that you believe, the, the more strength that gives you to deal with whatever comes up. And I know that that, that works for me because I, I believe we're all part of one big whole you know, everybody's interconnected, interrelated, and it's it's one one big thing. And it's not just people. It's it's everything. We're, we're all part of the same whole. And if you look at it that way, they, there's not really a, a beginning and an ending. That birth and death is just part of the continuum. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, that helps. And as I said, it's no fun to all of a sudden not have that person there with you physically but that doesn't mean that you you can't find comfort still from the support you get yes. what were some of the
0: challenges that you um faced with moving into writing a book or expressing your feelings with the public in book form
2: that actually um uh, i don't really feel like i was challenged very much the only big challenge was uh finding a a publisher to start off with because I, I didn't want to self-publish i wanted to be traditionally published and and that took a while but then i my agent found my ideal publisher for me and and that worked well but i to me I felt that I was creating something that was helping me so much in the process. And I also could see how much it was going to help anybody who read it, it, that it made it, instead of a challenge, kind of a joy to work on it. Mm -hmm. And I I just, I loved the process.
0: Me personally, I haven't. I've had, of course, a few family members die. I'm grateful to still have both of my parents who just um, celebrated their 70th uh, birthday this year. Oh, cool. I can say for me, and this is kind of a personal question um, for me or from me, more asking, I've had a dream about a person that has passed before. And I've actually, and it was, like I said, one of the only dreams, and I could say that I could actually talked to the person that i knew had passed and it was you know it was it was a a weird conversation but you know to actually tell that person that i heard they had passed in a dream was the Mm -hmm. first time i I had i do have a cousin that has had a similar dream like that have you ever had a dream that you've had a conversation with someone that has passed
2: I, I don't a lot, but I happened to have one last night, and it was one of the ones that the, the kind that it was very, very real. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night with it, and I thought, I, and I so wish I would have written it down right at that, because I keep a book by the side of my bed that I can write things down like that, but I chose not to. I fell back asleep, and I can't tell you who the person was, but it was wow. I know it was somebody very close to me, and it was a very significant conversation in I guess I didn't need to remember it. I just had to have the experience of having it, but it does, it does happen sometimes.
0: Wow. That was last night.
2: <laughs> last night. It just, I, I was thinking about that right before I came on here. I, Who was that and what was happening in my dream? Cause it was so vivid.
0: It was very real for mine. I, it was very clear. Um, Yeah. And it was like I said, the same for my cousin, he experienced it and, you know, he shared that, conversation and so it was yeah it was very real
2: (laughs) yeah for me one of the interesting things is uh with my two husbands Jacques was the one who died first and then then Ron died more recently and Jacques will be the one who'll pop up in dreams and I feel Ron's presence in other ways so I I haven't seen him or felt him in dreams that much but Jacques he's he's popping up all the time he can just be you know there and not even having a conversation or being part of what's going on but he'll be there Hmm. so it it's kind of nice to have him around uh and and with ron what i i the experience i have with him and this is one of the things that i teach people when we're doing the the writing groups is to write a letter to that person who who, whoever it is who um has transitioned and tell them whatever you want to tell them sometimes there are things that were left unsaid that you really feel a need to get out other times you just miss them or something exciting happened that you want to share with them and and talk to them about but you write the letter just sincerely like you're talking to it and sign it however you'd sign it and when you finish it start another letter and have that second letter be from that person to you Mm-hmm. And just write and see what comes out. And it's amazing. Now, I can't tell you for sure, obviously, where exactly that voice for the second letter comes from. I have a feeling I know for, for me. <laughs> but it. Uh, I've discovered really interesting things. I've gotten advice that I needed to have. Mm-hmm. Um I, I went through a period of time where I was working on forgiveness and that was something that I could work out in these letters. And and now I, I feel like I forgiveness is a big thing to deal with in grief. And when you get to the point where you can forgive everybody and everything, then it's such a a release, a relief. Uh, you, you can't help but feel better about things. And you, you find that you don't judge people as much or things anymore because you've learned the process of forgiveness and you don't have to live in that anger or um, resentment that, that you have when you haven't forgiven something.
0: What's the um, adequate amount of time for, you know, that you would say in your opinion? For grieving after a loss, even just to be aware, to share, you know, what's the proper amount of time to give a person to you know deal with? That's a loss really moment.
2: interesting question. It, it really is because people, especially people who haven't dealt with losing somebody very close to them, uh, don't get it. <laughs> I've had one person that I talked to said his boss told him when he came back three days after the funeral. Aren't you over that yet? And he just, he had to leave and go home. <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't yeah. even stay there that day because it just hit him so hard. Of course, I'm not over it, you know, <laughs> just happened. Yeah. Um, where other people it just carry such a heavy weight of their grief for a very long time because they, they aren't working on releasing what's bothering them about it. My feeling is that you grieve as long as you love someone. And I still love my parents. I still love my husbands. I still love all the other people I've known who have died. But we have a tendency to equate grief with unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't. Dwell there. I can look back and smile and remember and and think of the good things and the positive things about my life that came from my relationship with these people. So I always carry the people with me in my heart. and I, I think other people do. I think if you really love someone, you're gonna you're gonna love them forever. just because they're not here in physical form doesn't mean you have to stop loving them. And so in in that case, grief goes on Correct. as long as you do. But you don't have to stay in the depths of the sorrow that can happen. And that makes a huge difference for you. If, if you can find ways to feel more positive and work your way through whatever situation you're, you're dealing with, then it can become lighter. The load becomes lighter. And you get to the point where you can remember things with a smile. Instead of uh, crying, however, crying's good, and it's it's like a, a release. Somebody was uh, equating that just the other day. I heard him say something about it. it's it's like a shower. You know, the the water flows over you, and then you feel so much better when you're through. So it's it's tears tears are fine. I have uh, Ron and I had this song. He heard it one day. Uh, and recorded it and so that he could play it for me as soon as he saw me the next time. And it just kind of became our song. And it was uh, Stevie Wonder's As. I don't know if you know that particular song, but it's a fabulous song. And it just described our relationship perfectly. Well, whenever I hear that song, I usually there's a couple tears, but they're, they're good tears because I'm remembering how much that, Song helped us express our our love for each other. And last year it got to the point some commercial uh, series, uh, a whole bunch of commercials were using it for their theme song. Uh (laughs) It seemed like whenever there was something, uh, the radio or TV or anything was on, that song would be playing. And I thought, boy, he's really trying to get in touch with me right now and (laughs) remind (laughs) me that love's still there, you know, and and we're okay. Uh, So, it and and you can kind of smile and and uh laugh a little and cry at the same time, and that's okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, I always try to fight back my tears, but when it finally does come out, whether it's good tears or bad tears, it's like it's always a therapeutic feeling. Like I release
2: some feeling in my chest, and, The know, tears and are there that. for a reason, you know. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people try to to avoid them or, or or protect themselves from the tears, but it's it's good to let them go when they they want to.
0: Yeah, sound like you have a beautiful bird outside of your window. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I have in in Hawaii a, a lot of times I'll I'll do things outside and it was a little windy today so I I didn't but the uh, birds every morning I I just love them there's so many different birds. And it's just joyful to to get to sit and listen to them. I I can't tell which birds make which sounds because there's so many of them that you see at the same time and hear at the same time. And it's it's really a very pleasant, uplifting place to be. So
0: for a happy couple that's traveling to Hawaii for the first time, where are we going? (laughs) Where do we go?
2: (laughs) I would say any place, but... uh, Honolulu, we love the water. Waikiki.
0: We love the water. Yeah. We love snorkeling as well so.
2: Yeah, it, it, everybody tends to want to go to Hawaii to to go to Honolulu and Waikiki because that's what they hear about. But you're from Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to Los Angeles. Oh, and wow. yeah, there's a beach in in like Santa Monica, but you know how packed that always mm. is and yeah. that's Already. like times 10 on Waikiki. So that's not where you want to go.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh things for for snorkeling just about any of the other islands. It's it's so beautiful. The water is so clear. Mm. And you can see so much. It's it's just absolutely gorgeous. I I can tell you about uh something that happened to me last year. My sister died and she lived on the mainland. And it was at a time when no was flying any place and i couldn't go over and be with with her family and um they, they did their service they did for i was online and uh, i was just wanting to do something to express how i was feeling and when ron had died here on maui we did an ash scattering service um, we went to the beach and it was a, a fabulous service it we didn't didn't know that many people in on the island at that time um because we'd only been here a couple years and he knew people from when he'd left here before but i was surprised at the people showed that showed up the doctors showed up Mm. the the housekeepers the the people that did our yard work all our neighbors our insurance man (laughs) you know all these these people showed up and they all brought with them like grocery bags full of flowers that they picked from their yard Mm-hmm. So when we got in the canoes together to paddle out into the ocean and we took these flowers and we released the flowers with the ashes so they all float out into the ocean together and it was it was gorgeous. And I remembered that and I thought, I'm gonna just pick all these flowers from my yard and go to the beach and release them. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine offered to to take me there and it was at, at the height of the, the pandemic, so there was nobody else on the beach at all, mm-hmm. which was rare. And the water was spectacularly clear when the mm-hmm. when the tourists weren't coming over. I, I just can't tell you the colors and the clearness of the water around here. Mm-hmm. But we it's went like to the this air place. Mm-hmm.
0: It was like the air here in downtown L.A. Oh, it was yeah. clear. It was no small yeah, uh,
2: amazing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what we do to our environment—it was really a, a to me a, a proof of what we do to our environment and how it could yeah. be better. Yeah, that I I put the the flowers out on the water and the water was so clear that it looked like they were lying on the sand. Mm. And I was trying to take a picture to to send to my nieces of of the flowers floating in the water. Finally some came some bubbles came in with one of the waves that came in so that you could get that depth perception to see that they were floating on the water. And then my my friend tapped me on the shoulder because I'd been just standing there still looking out at the water for a long time. And I I looked and he was pointing down at my foot. So I looked down at my foot and there was this butterfly sitting on my toe. <laughs> it was it was just so beautiful and i i was the we were still enough that i actually was able to take a picture of it it, it was pretty amazing mm-hmm. and then we walked a little further down the beach and these waves were coming in that were oh a couple feet high and the sun was shining through them and the water was so clear it was really pretty and i saw something gold in there just beautifully gold and so we were looking at it together, trying to figure out what it was. It was a big fish that were gold that we could see from standing on the beach out there in the ocean that were, were swimming through these waves like they were surfing. And they, they were so beautiful. And to, to get to see those things through, through the water, to, to stand there in the water and look down and be able to see the beautiful different colored fish, it's, it's pretty miraculous here. Really, really beautiful. So I would, if you're coming to Hawaii, I would go someplace where there aren't as many tourists. Wherever you're going to stay, see if you can stay away from from tourists. Uh, We used to, when Ron and I would come over before we moved here, we'd always go to an Airbnb or a VRBO, that that sort of place that we weren't surrounded by all these people. And the, the people that made the water in that area a little bit uh riled up so that you didn't get to see things as well Mm -hmm. so if you can find a place to stay big island is like that there's not nearly as many people on the big island and there's Mm -hmm. there's lots of places where you've got a lot of peace and Kauai is is gorgeous however it's become so popular that they uh will have a lot of tourists there so if you can find the, the one i've only been there once and the one time i went i was able to stay at the uh it was an Airbnb that a friend of my friend who I went there with, uh, uh, it was their place. And so we were able to to get someplace that was off the beaten track that wasn't listed on all the listings. And mm. so we could uh, be in a place that was that was calm and peaceful because you, you want to be able to enjoy the peace and beauty of Hawaii as opposed to all the the crowdedness of, of lots of tourists being around you. Yeah,
1: because I definitely want to experience even the Indigenous culture there, and uh, some oh, of the indigenous yeah. food and things like that. Um, that's one of my favorite things about traveling.
2: Oh yeah, me too. I'm I'm always looking for that any place that I go, and I love that in Hawaii. Um, the word aloha is is a beautiful word, and it it's got lots of different meanings. And the ones the meanings that you hear the most com- commonly are love and breath. Mm -hmm. And people um, who live like the culture of Hawaii, which I try to do since I respect that since I'm living here, is to to live with aloha. Everything you do is with this spirit of, of love. And they even have a law in Hawaii called the Law of Aloha. And I'd heard about it, but I got called for jury duty one time and went into the courthouse and there it was framed on the wall. It's an actual law in the state that anybody who who does business or deals with any people on the island are expected to do it with the spirit of aloha. That's you can awesome. Google yeah. it. It's fascinating. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> awesome.
2: The whole world would do that. Boy, I think where we'd be now. <laughs> A lot of good energy. Yeah. Well,
0: before we get ready to close it out, would you like to share with our listeners some links um, to your book and also some upcoming projects that we may not know okay. about? Okay.
2: Well, my my book is Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, and the website for that is the same, lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. Uh, it's available any place books are sold since it's traditionally published. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but you can get it from all the small booksellers that I like to support, too. Um, I also have a podcast of my own called Love, or not Love, Grief and Happiness. And it's, uh, it comes out every week. You get that where you listen to your podcasts. And the other thing that I'm doing that I'm really excited about right now is a project called the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And that's a where people come together online on Zoom every week from all over and we do some writing like this writing exercises that i was telling you about together and then we do happiness practices because i'm also a certified happy for no reason trainer mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i've got all these ways to to help teach people different methods that they can use to be happy and we'll do that together and then they have the opportunity to make friends with other people who are dealing with grief and loss and and talking in a way that people that are dealing with similar things can relate to and understand. And we do that every week. And there's no cost for it because we created a nonprofit organization, the Grief and Happiness Alliance nonprofit organization, just to support all this because they didn't feel that people should have to pay to get comfort and support during their grief process. So if if you want to find that, that's under griefandhappiness.com. There's information about that there. Okay.
0: Emily, it's been an amazing conversation. Um, It's been a lot of valuable information that you've shared with us about life in general. And we appreciate your time and consideration talking with us today.
2: No, I appreciate you having me as your guest. I I enjoyed being here.
1: Thank you. And for the listeners, you can find the podcast at AmericanGypsy.com. And we also have consistent self-improvement merch at luamli.com.
0: And we have some music that you can check out under Classic, K-L-A-C-C-I-K, Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A, on Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, YouTube, and more, all major platforms. Thank you again to our listeners and our supporters. We really appreciate you and consistent self-improvement peace peace